The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Luke chapter 15. We have a saying around here at New Song Church. We say that our best days are our next days. In fact, I want you to say that with me. I'm going to say it, and then you repeat after me. Our best days are our next days. Now, when I say our best days are our next days, I don't mean that from like a selfish standpoint. I mean that from the perspective of like our best days are our next days because our best days are going to be about other people. In fact, I love how Dr. Tony Evans says it. He says, when you realize God's purpose for your life isn't just about you, he will use you in a mighty way. In other words, when, when you begin to recognize that, that your life and the purpose of your life is not just about you being happy and you having it all figured out and doing your thing, but it's about helping other people and being about the purposes of the kingdom of God, it's in that moment that your best days become your next days and God can use you in a mighty way. And that's what we believe as we move into this new season and this new building. We believe that our best days are our next days. We believe that we're going to reach more people than we've ever reached before. We believe that we're going to come to know God in a greater way than ever before, that that we're going to experience God personally in our own life, and we're also going to be helping other people to experience God in their lives in a greater way than ever before. And like I said, this building is great, but this building is not the church. We're the church. And what we want to do is we want to leverage this incredible gift of this building to help us help people know God, to reach other people and build the kingdom. And I want you to know, as we, as we stand here today at this new, this new season, this new place, that this is not like, we haven't like crossed the finish line. Like we're not done. To me, we just stepped into the box. Like we're getting ready to take off. Like our, our purposes are, are more intentional than ever before. And I want you to know, we're ramping things up. We're going to go more into our communities and into the world to, to reach people with this gospel message of Jesus Christ because we believe our best days are our next days and we, we got to make it more than just about us if that's going to be the case. So, so we got a lot that's getting ready to happen. In fact, I'm, I'm excited about some of the new initiatives and ministries and things that we'll be able to do in this building that we weren't able to do. For example, like the end of this month, July 30th, we're going to have a, an equip night here. And uh, equip is, is a ministry we have at New Song Church that's, that's about equipping uh, believers to grow in their, in their relationship with God, to grow in their marriages and, and grow in their, in their ability to parent. And, and we've got some classes on parenting and we've got a really cool financial class that you can go to that you know, normally you'd have to pay like hundreds of dollars to go to this class, but, but you can come here for free and they'll talk to you about estate planning and, and really helpful stuff that will help you to, to have a better plan financially for your family, to take care of yourself and, and to really make a way for yourself. We're also, one, one of the things I'm really excited about that night is me and Sarah are gonna be hosting a, a panel discussion where we're gonna be talking about some of the cultural issues that we find ourselves in right now. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, problems in the world right now. And one of the problems is, is, is that some of us aren't understanding how to relate to other brothers and sisters in Christ who maybe have a different skin color than we do. And so we're going to talk about what, what we do, how we love people that may look a little different than us, but that are our brothers and sisters in Christ in a greater way. It's going to be a great night. So I'd encourage you to you know, check that out. We'll have more information on that coming up. But July 30th, make plans to be with us that night. Uh, one other thing I'm really pumped about is we're, we're changing our whole next steps process. You saw in that video, next steps, our next step classes are now online, which is really, really great. Next steps 
For those of you who don't know, Next Steps is how you get plugged into the church. And we want you to get plugged into the church because the Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. The house of the Lord there means the church, and flourish means that you would produce good fruit. And we want that for you. We want you to get planted in this church in a great way because we believe you really will produce fruit and we want that for you. And so, uh, and we've seen it happen over and over again. Those who really buy in and go all in, they, they produce fruit. And so up to this point, in order to do next steps, we'd, we'd have it like once a month and, and you know, some months we couldn't host it and we'd have it at, at a different time and you'd have to come up and it really was about a three hour, two hour class, but with all your time driving and all that stuff, it's gonna take about three hours of your life. Now, Next Steps is all online. It's this interactive online classes you can go to where you can learn about the heart of our church, the vision of our church, the mission of our church. You can get plugged in to a group, to a serve team. All will walk you through it. It's super, super helpful. So you can go check that out too. Really excited about what that's going to produce. So like today, if you're here today and you're new, you can go to Next Steps like today after church. You can, you can knock it out, which is so, so awesome. Uh, another thing that we're excited about is we're going to be a Embrace Grace hub here in our city. Uh, Embrace Grace is an organization that helps women who have found themselves in a unplanned pregnancy. You know, a lot of times when when women get into an unplanned pregnancy, like when they step into that and, and they end up having an abortion, it's not because they're just bad people. It's that they feel trapped and they don't know what to do. And so what Embrace Grace does is it's a pro-love ministry that extends love to them and, and shows them that there's hope to help them to make the, the right decisions during this critical time. In fact, here's a little, a little thing, and I'm going to do this the right way. I did it wrong in the first service, but it goes like this, okay? So it, what happens is a single, a single woman has an unplanned pregnancy. She goes to a pregnancy center for help. The center receives a free love boxes from our church that invites her to an Embrace Grace group, which we'll have here. She attends the Embrace Grace group at this pro-love church, which is what we're all about. Amen? Amen. The church throws her a baby shower. How cool is that? She receives salvation. She comes to know God through the love that she sees in the church. The baby is born and a generation is changed. Mom is now a part of a church family and can be discipled through groups like Embrace Grace Life. How cool is that? So that's something we're launching soon. The opportunity for you to get plugged into that is going to be so cool. Another thing that we're going to be doing is I'm working with a missions organization called World Compassion right now. And I've got some friends that, that are a part of this missions organization. They reached out and said uh, they're in the middle right now of bringing Bibles to people in Iran who can't have Bibles. So they're smuggling Bibles into Iran. Like, how cool is that? It's like illegal. Like, we're going to be part of some illegal stuff in Iran, not here, in Iran. <laughs> but but they, they go through this long process of, of finding a way to get these Bibles to these people, uh, but they need finances to help them with it. And so next week, we're going to give you the opportunity to give towards that. And, and all the money that comes in for that, above and beyond your tithes and offerings, we're going to give to those guys to help get the Bible into the hands of people who desperately want it but can't have it. How, how awesome is that? He, and, and there's so much more, but I just want you to know, we, we ain't done. Like, we're not like going, okay, we've arrived. No, no, no. We're just getting started. And my heart for the city, my heart for the country, my heart for the world is on fire like never before. And our team is excited, but I want you to know if that's where it ends, it's not going to go very far. If our best days are going to be our next days, it can't end with me. It can't end with just a few select ones of us. It's got to be all of us 
getting on board and taking an active role in reaching a lost and broken and hurting world. Can I get an amen? Amen. So as I was thinking about that this week uh, and asking the Lord, okay, what do you want me to preach? He reminded me of the story of the lost sheep, the red letter story of the lost sheep. And I got to be honest with you, when, it, when, when he told me this was what he wanted me to preach, I was kind of like, oh, I mean, like, everybody knows that one. <laughs> you know, like, I want some fresh something. Uh, but I went and I read it, and I, I really do believe God gave me some fresh something for you this morning. Turn to the person beside you and say, we got some fresh something coming. We got some fresh something. Fresh something. Fresh something. And really what the Lord showed me, he gave me three questions that I believe we need to be asking ourselves that are important. If we're going to be the church God's called us to be, we got to be asking ourselves these questions on a regular basis. So Luke chapter 15, starting verse one says this, it says, then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him to hear him. It's talking about Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. In other words, they're saying, this guy is hanging out with people who don't have it all together. And he's even eating with them, which eating with them was like a form of acceptance. So I was like, I can't believe Jesus. What the heck? And so Jesus says this. So he spoke to them a parable saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Now there's a bunch packed into this little parable, but in order to kind of understand it, I'm going to give you these questions, but before I do, you got to understand something about one of the ideas that's laid out here by Jesus that's also laid out throughout scripture over and over again. And that's this idea that that people are like sheep. Metaphorically speaking, the Bible compares us to sheep. And when you really start to think about that, it's not the greatest compliment in the world. You know, sheep are not that impressive of a creature. Like I was looking this week, there is no sports team in the United States that has a sheep as its mascot. You don't hear about like the Notre Dame fighting sheep or the University of Oklahoma lambs or that team in Stillwater. They're not called the OSUs. I was pretty proud of that one. I thought that was pretty good. You'll find some rams, but no sheep. Why? Because sheep like, you know, let's be real. Like they're not that impressive looking and beyond how they look and they're not agile. They're not real athletic. They're not that. They're also kind of dumb. <laughs> like I was reading this week about in, in Turkey, there were these two shepherds and they had a, a flock of 1500 sheep and they had them in this valley with this cliff and they were about 300 yards away from them, just kind of watching them. They could see for a distance that they were safe. And so they're just kind of watching them. But then they watched as one of the sheep just walks over to the cliff and just walks off the cliff. <laughs> and then another one just walks off the cliff and another one. And they watch in horror as all 1,500 of these sheep just walk off a cliff. 400 sheep died. 1,100 didn't. You know why? Because they landed on the puffy little sheep that were below that were like, I thought that was kind of funny. And the Bible says you're like a sheep. So how about that? The, the point is like, 
sheep are not the greatest. And, and what happens really when the Bible talks about us being like sheep, one of the things that's presented over and over again is this idea of wandering, that sheep tend to wander off. And the Bible says like sheep, we tend to wander off sometimes. And we tend to, to, to stray into sin. And so like sheep are kind of pathetic animals. When we live in sin, we become pathetic versions of ourselves. We become kind of stupid versions of ourselves. Yeah. See, sin makes you stupid. Yeah. You say, wow, that's a little blunt. Well, hi, I'm Josh Blunt. <laughs> you can't be called blunt your whole life and not expect to just tell it like it is, right? <laughs> it's blunt, not blount, okay? <laughs> but sin makes you stupid. Yeah. Look, the Bible says it, Ephesians 4, 17, 18. This I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In other words, in the sinfulness of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding. In other words, they don't see things right. They don't understand things. They don't see things from the proper perspective. Alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that's in them. So because they're not seeing things right, one of the things they're not seeing right is God. So they're not connecting with God the way that they're supposed to. And then it says, due to the hardness of their hearts. So they have a hard heart. They're not understanding God properly. And they're not even understanding life properly. Like that's what sin does. Sin makes you a pathetic version of yourself. It makes you, it makes you stupid. And I can attest to this in my own personal life. And I can attest to this as a pastor. Sin makes people do some stupid, stupid things. And so what, what Jesus is talking about here is that when you're a sheep and you start to stray away and wander away, it makes you a pathetic version of yourself. But beyond that, it's also very, very dangerous. In fact, there, there's a guy, a biblical scholar named Kenneth Bailey, and he, he writes from the perspective of understanding the culture of Jesus's day. And, and so he, he can tell you these stories about Jesus from this perspective of like what the people listening originally were thinking. He's got a book uh, called Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes that's a really cool read if you're looking for something like that. But in it, he talks about how, what, what sheep do when they're lost. And the people of Jesus's day would have understood this. If a sheep is lost, first of all, a sheep is lost. Like that means it can't find its way back home. It does not have the ability to find its way back home. If a sheep gets lost, it's truly lost. And when it gets lost, it begins to freak out. It begins to go into like, like kind of a hyperventilating kind of, kind of situation where it starts to, to panic and, and get really nervous. And so what does it do? It hides. It finds like a rock or a bush and it hides behind it or it hides under it. And then it begins to bleat, bleat, B-L-E-E-T, not bleed, bleat. And, and so it's like going bleh like that, right? So, so get this, like it's hiding, but it's going bleh. So it's like if we're playing hide and seek and I'm like over here going, help, help. What's the point of hiding if I'm gonna be screaming help, right? Kind of dumb, right? Sheep are stupid. And so while it's, while it's bleeding, all of the predators in the area are going, oh, sweet, dinner bell, like let's do this. So the shepherd understands this and he knows if his sheep is lost, like the clock is ticking, he's gotta find it. And so he'll leave those 99 to go find that one that's lost because he cares about that one that's lost. And when he finds it, here's the thing, because it's been in this state of panic and fear, it's, it's so exhausted, it can't walk anymore. So what does he do? He picks it up and he throws it over his shoulders and he carries it back to the flock, carries it back to freedom. And what Jesus outlines here is that this is the heart of God for people who are away from him. He pursues them. He goes after them, and he's willing to carry them. 
because he loves them. So I've got three questions for you this morning. I think we got to ask ourselves. And here's the first one. How important is the one to you? Do you ever think about lost people? Do you ever think about that person that's away from God, doesn't know God, that's living a pathetic existence, that's probably afraid? You know, think about, I don't know about you, but during times like this where there's a lot of fear and panic, I'm so grateful that I know God. I've been able to walk through peace in this situation. I'm not afraid. I'm really not. Because I know God's with me. He's on my side. But a lot of people don't know God. How, how terrifying that would be. Do you ever think about there's people that are living that kind of life? They're lost. And God loves them and he cares about them. In fact, it says that, that, that the good shepherd will leave the 99 to pursue the one. Here's what that tells me. God is not okay with a 99% success rate. He wants them all. He wants 100%. Just like if you're a parent, you're not satisfied with anything less than 100% of all of your kids safe, right? I, I've, been a, I've been a, before I was a pastor, like a senior pastor, I was a children's pastor for a season. I was a youth pastor for a season. And when, you, when you're in, in those roles, a lot of times you end up taking kids on trips. Like you'll take kids to camp and you'll take them to conferences and on missions trips and, you know, getaways and things like that. And there's a lot of rules that you have to follow when you're taking kids away from home, especially teenagers, because hormones are raging and they will do all sorts of stupid things if you don't really have it all lined out. So you got to have a lot of plans. But the most important number one rule of taking kids away from home is bring everybody home. Because listen, you have a great mission trip, but if you leave Billy in Guatemala, it was not a successful trip. Like, I can't imagine going up to some parents and being like, hey, uh, we had a great trip. God, oh, God just moved. We saw people saved and healed and set free. It was powerful. One thing, Billy got lost didn't make it home. And uh, sorry about that. Good news is you got two more kids at home, right? So I'm sure, you know, Billy will make a great life for himself in Guatemala. You'll meet again someday, at least in the, in the by and by. Like that's not going to cut it, is it? We, we care. The people that we love, we want them safe. We want them home. We don't want them lost. And beyond just the people, like even our stuff, like I don't like losing my stuff. You know, as a man, I have three things I carry with me all the time. My keys, my wallet, and my phone. And every week, I lose at least one of them. There's a moment where I'm walking around going, where is my wallet? Where are my keys? Last night, I was here at the church helping set some TVs up, and I was trying to leave, and I couldn't find my keys. It's been like 20 minutes walking around looking for my keys. And when I lose something, listen, I don't just go, well, at least I got these other two things. You know, I can't find my cell phone, but at least I got my keys and my wallet. No, no, I go looking for that which is lost. Doesn't mean I don't care about the other two things, right? But I want to found what's lost. Listen, the same way God cares about people and the people that are away from him, he cares about them. You know, there's 7 billion people in the world today. Billion with a B. That's a lot of people, right? And we look at that and we say, man, that's, that's 7 billion people. But God doesn't call them 7 billion people. He calls every one of them by name. He knows them all, and he loves them all, and he knows the ones that are away. He knows the ones that are in fear. 
Think about this. Like there's, there's people in the world today that exist and they, they, no one knows them. But God knows them. And I want you to know today if you're here and you're away from God, God knows you and he loves you and he's for you and you, you're important to him because God cares about the one. And, and listen, church, since God cares about the one, we got to care about the one. And I want to encourage you today, if maybe you have a heart and you would say, I, I don't really ever think about lost people. We can't be okay with that. We got to shift that. And I also want you to know it's, it's kind of natural to be that way because we're naturally kind of selfish people in our flesh. We naturally just kind of think about ourselves. But we've got to choose to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm inviting you to, to change my heart yeah. and, and to help me see people the way you see them. That needs to be a prayer. You need to add that to your prayer list. God, give me a heart for the lost. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Let me see people the way you see them. Let me see the people around me. And listen, the greatest place this starts is, is in your relationships. The people that you know, the people that you're closest to. You need to extend yourself to them. Are, are, there, are there people in your family, aunts, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, sons, daughters that are away from God and you kind of find yourself going, eh, I've tried. We got to keep pursuing them. And that, that kind of leads me to, to the second thing, which is how long is your until? How long is your until? Because the good shepherd searches until, until he finds the sheep that's lost. There's a persistence we see in the heart of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm, God, I'm so glad that God pursued me with persistence. I'm so glad that he was continuing to chase after me in seasons of my life where I was away from him. Do we have that same kind of heart for other people? Jude, uh, verse 22 and 23 says this. It says, keep being compassionate. Notice it doesn't just say be compassionate. It says keep being compassionate. Everybody say keep. Keep, keep being compassionate. It means you gotta, you gotta keep this up. It's, like, it's kind of like God understands it maybe won't happen the first time. Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts. Look at verse 23. And snatch others out of the fire to save them. Notice we're saving people. You recognize that? You get to play a part in saving people for eternity. Unbelievable. Be merciful over and over. Everybody say over and over. Again, persistence, right? But always couple your mercy with the fear of God. How, how persistent are you? How open are you to be willing to continue to chase after people? How long is your until? I, I think sometimes we have a tendency. You know, I, I said earlier that uh, the key to this is relationship, really. But I think we all have a tendency in our life to kind of find our squad and close our circle. Like we, we, we find a group of people that we get along with pretty well and we say, okay, this is my group. And so if, if there's people that are lost within this group or maybe just lost in a season or whatever, that, that'll be my group. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of shut down the friendship thing because I, I don't really have any room. I mean, how many of you would say, I have a hard time even managing the friends I already have? How, how could I invite more friends into my life? I, I can't do that. And so what we do is we kind of find our squad and we squat <laughs> and, we, and what happens is our circle becomes our until. That's a good preaching, by the way. <laughs> and we, we kind of close the door and we close up shop on reaching people that are lost. I want you to know, I believe God's called us to something greater than that. He's called us to open up our lives and, and realize when you open up your life to other people, it opens up them to the heart of God. 
The Bible says it like this in Matthew 5, 14. It says, keep open house, be generous with your life. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Here's what this tells us. When we open up our lives to people, it empowers people to open up their lives to God. You say, well, Josh, you know, that's cool and all, but that could get messy. Okay, just so you know, um, (laughs) to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have to be okay with a mess. Because you do recognize that, like what Jesus did was he stepped out of perfection in heaven to get into the middle of our mess, then to allow the entire mess to be placed on him to die for it so that we could be free from our mess. That's what Jesus did. And if we're called to be people who are walking in his image in this earth, we have to be willing to say, I'll get messy if it leads to other people knowing God. I'll get into the middle of the mess. if it, I'll love people that way if it leads to more people coming to know God. And I get it. People can get messy. Maybe some of you are in here today and you're a mess. Your emotions are a mess. Your mind is a mess. Your thought life is a mess. I want you to know if if that's you, you're in the right place. Because in this house, as long as I'm the pastor, you will not get kicked out. You'll get carried out. Amen. Amen. And when the shepherd finds that sheep that's lost, it's a mess. It can't get back to the flock on its own. So what does he do? He picks it up and he carries it. The good, the good shepherd carries the one who can't, who can't make it. We're, we're made in the image of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be followers of him, doing what he did. So that means we're going to have to pick people up. We're going to have to carry people out sometimes. Romans 15 verse 1 says, We who are strong, when it says strong, it's not talking about strong in just your ability. Strong in the power of God. Strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. That word bear there means we need to carry. So, so like the good shepherd, we need to have a heart that says, I'll lift up those people who are, who are hurting, who are broken, who can't get, their, get back on their own. We need to be willing to do that. And, and I get it that that can be aggravating sometimes. I get that that can be her, hard sometimes. You know, I, I, listen, I get it. I'm a pastor, Okay. There have been people that I have loved and tried to love and have extended love to them and extended grace to them and, 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 and have seen God do amazing things in their life through our church and then something happens and they get upset with me and they like hate me and start biting at me, you know? You know sheep can bite, right? The good news is no one's ever died of a sheep bite. Like you don't hear about like people in the African savannah, you know, and they're walking around and they see in the distance, they come upon a sheep. And it's like, oh God, walk away slowly. Hopefully it will not notice us. Right? No, because it's a sheep. Like no one's ever died of a sheep mauling, okay? It can be annoying. I, I've, I've worked with sheep before. I've been bit. It feels like somebody's pinching you really hard. It's annoying, but you can survive. And I want you to know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to have people that bite at you. And it may be annoying, but you'll survive. And what we have to be careful of is we don't allow that to become the extension of our grace. Our grace is not determined by their reaction. Our grace is determined by the one who extended grace to us. So my job as a Christian is to extend the same kind of grace that was extended to me, to other people. Be willing to take a bite every once in a while because at the, on the other side of that is hopefully a life changed. Amen? Amen. 
How, how, uh, how long is your until? Are you willing to keep chasing after, keep pursuing? Here's number three. How right is your rejoicing? How right is your rejoicing? When the good shepherd finds the lost sheep, he rejoices. And it goes on to say, Jesus says that there's more rejoicing in heaven for that one that was lost that's found than for the other 99. And today I, I rejoice in this place. I'm proud of this building. I want you to know that. I'm proud of our team. I'm proud of all the work that's gone into this. I'm proud of everybody who's worked so hard. Like, I think this is pretty cool. I was excited this morning. I'm I, like, I'm, I'm proud that I know when people come in here, I feel like we're, we're displaying God well. <laughs> I'm proud of this screen. I'm proud of our sound system. I'm proud of our kids' classrooms. I'm, I'm really proud of it all. And I believe that as God looks at us today, he's proud of what we've done and what we've built for him. And I believe that, that this is important to what we're supposed to do. But I want you to know that as I rejoice in what we've done, I understand that what makes heaven rejoice is not that, you know, our signage outside looks really cool. It's not that our worship band sounds better than ever before. It's not that I preach a perfect, eloquent message because that ain't ever gonna happen. What makes heaven pop what makes heaven rejoice is when one person lifts their hand and says, I want Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. I want, to, I want to step out of this and into relationship with God. How right is your rejoicing? You know, I, I think we tend, to, <clears throat> we tend to rejoice over the wrong stuff. And we kind of set like what we think success is. I remember a few years ago, I was, I was flying home uh, to, from, from California to Oklahoma City. And, and I'd been at a conference all week. Uh, I'd met a buddy of mine in California. We'd gone to this conference and I was flying home and I had about a three hour flight and I had it all planned. You know, I had my plans. I had my, what I was gonna rejoice in. I was gonna get on this plane and for three hours I was gonna work on the message for that weekend. And I had my computer, was all charged up. I had my thoughts together. I was ready to just start writing. And so I got to the airport and I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the lobby waiting to, to get on this plane in the waiting room. Uh, what, what's it called in, the, in, a, in a, what's that area called? The, the terminal, yeah, that's the word. Which is such a great word for that area, right? Terminal? I'm in the terminal. Sounds depressing. And it is. I'm there. And I'm waiting to get on this plane. And I stand up. You know, they call, you know, Southwest flights. So you got to get up and get in the little lines. I'm standing up in the line. And uh, I'm standing there. And this lady is on the other side. Like, she's in the next group. And she walks up. She's probably 55 or older. And she is loud. And she is drunk. Like, she is lit up like a Christmas tree. And she is talking to everybody loud. And she looks at me and she says, are you afraid we're going to crash? And I was like, no. She says, well, I am. That's why I've been drinking all morning. I was like, okay, well, you're good. I'm on this plane, so you'll be good. Don't worry about it. And she says, okay, what do you do? Which is like the magic question if you are in my business. And I said, well... I'm a pastor. And she says, oh, really? Well, I'm going to sit by you. I got some questions for you. And right there, she just starts asking me like the theological questions about her divorce and her life and like all these people around me. And I kind of sense that everybody's kind of going, oh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, what do you think about that? <laughs> and so I'm kind of going, uh, oh, yeah. And luckily, they're like, start calling my group. And they're like, oh, okay, see ya. Yeah. 
And I'm getting on the plane, and now I'm thinking, like, I hope this lady doesn't sit by me. And I'm kind of, you know, like, I'm going through in my head, like, I'm rehearsing and kind of griping at, at God, even. You know, God, I, I got to get this message written, you know, I got a church to lead, I got I to gotta minister to people. Right about there, the Holy Spirit shows up. He says, oh, you want to minister to people, do you? And so that's just kind of hanging there. He says, well, what if, I've, what if I've called you to minister to this person? So I repented. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry if I had my own agenda. I, I'm sorry, I repent. And if you've called this to be a divine moment, I'll, I'll give myself to it fully. And so I just made plans, like, this is probably not going to go according to my plan, but we'll see. And I'm still not really sure if she's going to sit by me or not. So I get on the plane, and I go, I go sit down, and I sit by the window, because I like to sit by the window. I like being able to lean against the window. I'm sitting by the window, and it's not a very full flight. And the lady, I'm like kind of watching, you know, and she, she gets on the plane, and she sees me and kind of points at me and starts walking over towards me, and she sits down beside me. And when I say sits down beside me, like, she didn't give me the middle row, like, it wasn't her on the aisle and then the middle seat, and then she sits right beside me. Yes. And she's drunk. No. And she smells like drunk, and she, yeah. So, she, and immediately she just starts going into it, telling me about her divorces and her kids who are on drugs, and she's like shaking, and she keeps telling, asking me if I'm afraid and telling me she's afraid, and, and she's talking to me, and so she talks for a while, and I just let her talk. And then, uh, and then she stopped talking, and I started talking. And I just started sharing my testimony, because that's what you do. I just tell her my story. I grew up in church. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And when I got older, I found myself in a mess. And that's when I really turned and gave my life to Jesus and started following him with everything I had. And he turned everything around for me, and because he loves me. And guess what? He loves you, too. And I'm telling her this, and I'm also thinking, does she understand anything I'm saying right now? <laughs> But I'm telling you, it was amazing. Like, I'm talking to this lady, and you could just sense the love of God. The presence of God showed up in those two little seats. And, and all of a sudden, I noticed, like, she wasn't fidgeting anymore. And then, I, I, I kid you not, like, I noticed, like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't smell like alcohol. And I, I really, truly believe, like, God sobered her up because she, her demeanor completely changed. And as I'm talking to her, I, I talk for a little bit, and then she says, I know Jesus loves me. What do I need to do? Wow. I said, well, we can pray right now. I can, I can lead you to make Jesus the Lord of your life right now. And she said, okay. And so we, right there on that plane, I led her to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right? And it, it was so cool because when, when it was over, she just kept saying, I love Jesus. I just love Jesus now. And I know he loves me. She just kept saying that over and over again. And then she looked at me and she said, I want you to tell your church about me. So here we are. And she said this, I want you to tell your church about me. I want you to tell them what you did for me. And I said, I didn't do anything. Jesus is the one who did everything for you. And so I got off the plane, you know, the flight ended. I got off the plane and I was walking to my car and I was in the parking garage here in Oklahoma City walking to my car. And God reminded me of that last little bit of that conversation where I said, I didn't do anything. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, that's not true. He said, you did do something. He said, I loved that lady. And she was lost. And I needed you. 
to be available. He said, thank you. God needs us to be available. See, some of us in here, we're found. And I hope you recognize today that God needs the found to help him reach the lost. God needs you to take this personally and to step out in faith and pursue people who need God and to have a heart for them. You know, that day, my rejoicing would have been in having some leg room and some elbow room and writing a message. But when I was willing to to allow the space that was there to be filled by the Lord, he filled it with someone who needed him. And since I had him, I could give him away. And so I want you to know, church, as we look around this room, we've got some space, although I'll say this is a full service, which I'm down for. But we, we didn't build this building so we could just have more room. I didn't build this building so that we'd have more elbow room and leg room. I built this building. We built this building as a church so we could fill it with people who need Jesus Christ, who are lost and need what we have. And I want to help people know God, but I can't do it on my own. And Jesus wants people to, to, to experience the love that he has for them, but he needs you to step up. And so three questions I have for you today. How important is the one to you? That one that's away from God that you know, what are you doing to pursue them for the kingdom of God? How long is your until? What if they bite you? What if it's messy? Will you keep chasing after them until they're found? How right is your rejoicing? Are you rejoicing over the right stuff? Are we celebrating what God celebrates today? If not, I want to encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to help you to do what God wants us to do in this world. Can I get an amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you today in this message? Lord, I I just say today, I'm so honored to be in the place that I, I find myself in today with all these people. We love you. And I'm grateful for the calling on my life. I'm grateful for the calling that we all get to share in of helping people know God. And we believe that our best days are our next days, Lord, but, but not because our life's just gonna get better, but because we're gonna help other people come to know you in a greater way than ever before. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart for the lost, or that we would, now that we're in this new incredible gift you've given us of this building, that we would use it and leverage it to build your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. You'd help us to, to bring people into the family of God that you made a way so they could experience. And so, Lord, we say today that we want a heart for the lost one. We say today that we'll be persistent to pursue them and chase after them. Holy Spirit, help us to see people the right way. Help us to see people the way you see them. And I pray, God, that our heart would rejoice for what makes heaven rejoice. In Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, You know that right now you're not right with God like you should be and you want to be right with God. I want to invite you to step into what I'm talking about today. Step into a relationship with God. And it's real simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. So you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he died for your sins personally. And if you're willing to confess that and confess him as Lord of your life, which means he becomes the boss, I'm not inviting you just to to have him be your savior, but to make him your Lord. 
you're willing to do that, then, then you'll receive a brand new spirit. You'll be born again. And, and you'll begin to step into the process of salvation. It doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect for you because there's still mind, will, and emotions that you're gonna have to work through. That's the process of salvation. But your spirit is born again and you know that you have life eternally with God. If that's you today and you'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you would say today, I- I'm not where I need to be with God. Maybe you're watching online. You're not where you need to be with God and you wanna get right with God. Wherever you are today, would you just, would you just lift up your hand where I can see it? Just stick your hand up, put it up, and then you can put it right back down. That's you, Dad. I see, I see a couple hands over here. So good, so awesome. Anybody else? If that's you, just lift up your hand. All right, a couple hands went up around this room. I wanna invite you guys, let's all pray this prayer together. Those of you who lift your hands, I want you to confess this with me. And in church, since we're all in agreement, let's all say this. Say, Father God, Father God thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I believe that he rose from the grave so I could be raised to new life through him. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. I give you my all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's celebrate what heaven is celebrating right now. Come on, church. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.